Hi friends, welcome to the Connected Families Podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Bellward. Our purpose in this podcast is to guide you to receive God's grace and truth, and then to equip you to pass that grace and truth on to your children. I invited two guests to be on today's podcast so that we could talk about a question that many of you have asked of us. The question is something like this. As I'm learning the Connected Families framework to parent my children, it seems like I could also think about my marriage in terms of the framework. How would that work? <laughs> well, I invited Stacy and Jeff Kemp to come on the podcast to talk about some of the key concepts in the framework as it relates to marriage. The Kemps have been in marriage ministries for a few decades and work with the well-known ministry called Family Life. Connected Families loves Family Life and partners closely with Family Life Canada and Family Life in East Asia to provide resources and train coaches and speakers as we all work in collaboration to bring help and hope to families. So I'm delighted to introduce Jeff and Stacy to you, and then I will bring them on in. Jeff and Stacy Kemp have been a dynamic team for 38 years. They married in 1983, early in Jeff's 11-year NFL career as a quarterback for the Rams, 49ers, Seahawks, and Eagles. Jeff founded and led Stronger Families in Seattle and then served as a VP for Family Life. Jeff's book, Facing the Blitz, helps us turn life's losses and trials into triumphs. Stacy's ministry is mentoring young moms. Together, they love speaking for weekend to remember marriage getaways and enjoy mentoring young couples. Stacy and Jeff have four married sons and five grandchildren. Hey, Stacy and Jeff, welcome to the microphone. Welcome to Connected Families Podcast. Thanks for having us, Stacy. We're excited to be with you and your listeners. Yeah. Hi, Stacy. Nice to meet you. And we're looking forward to this. So, so glad. Well, let's just get it right out of the way. Stacy and Stacy. We have two Stacys on the podcast today, but you know what? We spell our names right, don't we? We do. No E. <laughs> no E. That's that's true. And also a congratulations for 38 years of marriage. We don't celebrate marriages enough, do we? No, we don't, but we're celebrating that God's taken us this many years. Well, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're actually starting to, we're starting to learn some things about marriage here in uh, our 38th year. So uh, I guess we have a lot of hope. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you have, and I'm excited to learn what you've learned on our podcast today. My husband and I are married 22 years this year, and we're celebrating my parents' 50th anniversary this year. So I feel blessed. That's awesome. That's really yeah. cool to celebrate those long-term, you know, 50-year marriages and to let people know that marriage can go the distance and it gets better when you've got the Lord and a commitment to work on your marriage. Amen. And I feel so blessed. Both my husband's parents and mine have gotten to 50. And so what a legacy that we have. It's good. But there's a lot to learn, even if you don't come from a legacy like that. And we're going to dive into that. But Jeff, I have to ask you a question first about your NFL background. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. So my oldest daughter loves the NFL. She loves football. She could go head to head with anyone with NFL trivia. And when I asked her, hey, I'm going to be talking to Jeff today, what's a question that I should ask him? She came up with the best question ever. It made me the proudest mom. And so here's the question, Jeff. She asked, who did you respect the most and why while you were playing? I had a lot of great teammates and some excellent coaches. So I'll name a couple of quick ones and mention one person in depth. Uh, Steve Largent, as far as a teammate, 
worked incredibly hard, knew the game incredibly well, was so responsible, acted like a leader and a coach on the team. And as a Christian, carried himself with great integrity. So he was a role model and a friend and a great receiver to throw the ball to. So he stands out. Coaching wise, Bill Walsh was the most impressive and excellent high standards, visionary coach. And he commanded my respect because of the excellence with which he did his job and the excellence with which he trained us and the vision that he cast. I was way better with great coaching than I was with just good coaching. Walsh was awesome, but the one that is at the top of the heap is uh, the largest of them all, Reggie White. He passed away, but he was called the Minister of Defense. We played together for a year on the Eagles. And Reggie, every morning he'd walk around with his raspy voice, more raspy than mine, and say, hey, anyone want to join us for prayer? We're going in the broken sauna. And uh, every morning you could trust that he'd walk around and invite anyone, you know, the heathen guys, the anti-God guys that made fun of it, the Christian guys, the ones that wanted to be a Christian, but weren't living that way. He'd make you feel comfortable and say, come on, we'll pray for you. Hmm. And he started every prayer. This is relevant to our show in a way that struck me back then. He said, dear God, I thank you that I can talk to you. And I thank you for my wife, Sarah. What a blessing she is. She's oh, a great wow. gift. Help me to cherish her. He always honored marriage That's and and Stacy remembers hearing that too, but we heard that at the Eagles training camp every day, which isn't the most common message in an NFL locker room. No, <laughs> that's cool. Well, thanks for answering that question. I know you've also written the book Facing the Blitz about taking life's trials and making them triumphs. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the context of marriage pretty soon. But Stacy, together with Jeff, you speak at the Weekend to Remember Marriage Getaways. I know my husband and I went to one when we were early in our marriage. It was a gift to us, which, hey, hey, everybody, that's a great gift to a young couple, isn't it? Absolutely. It's amazing how many couples actually are there because somebody's given them a, a gift card for the to attend. It's a good wedding gift, really good. good. For sure. Well, here's the here's the question. What is the emphasis or the theme of what you talk about when you're the speakers at the weekend to remember? Well, there's just any number of things. Just the fact that if we're not intentionally moving toward one another in marriage, then we're going to drift. So be aware of that. The fact that conflict is common to all marriages. So we work to teach ways to get through conflict and just how to handle it, which is super important. The fact that we need to be good forgivers and we need to be seekers of you know, forgiveness so that we can work through that. And just knowing the purpose of marriage, God's purpose of marriage, the fact that we are to, we're his image bearers. And so our marriage and the unity that God is wanting for us to be showing the world is a big part of that too. And the fact that Satan, the enemy, is always working to have discord and disunity in our marriages. And we need to recognize that and, and realize that there's an enemy out there. A lot of times it feels couples that come feel like the enemy is their spouse when they're sitting there because the issues they've got going on. But just teaching the fact that we have an enemy, but it's not our spouse and we need to team up with our spouse against the enemy. Who so good. That is so true. And even the conflict part. Yeah. Conflict is normal. It's going to be there. So how do we deal with it? So good. Well, I'm sure like all marriages, you guys have gone through your seasons, your highs and lows, the times where you've had maybe more conflict or less conflict. And I wonder if you would just start us off with this sort of high altitude overview of what the seasons of your 38 years of marriage have been like. 
Well, we started out with uh, high hopes and a lot of enthusiasm and a fun story of God bringing us together. We didn't realize how incredibly different we were. And I didn't realize how much I needed to learn to understand the emotions of another person to be married. And that's taken decades. I mean, that's kind of one of the things I'm learning in this <laughs> fourth decade of marriage. But our, our early season was kind of a little naivete and happy honeymoon period. And then we ended up. And it seemed like a rather short honeymoon period <laughs> in all honesty, because once we got under the same roof, it was amazing how different we were and how hard that was. And, and just, gosh, seeing, you know, the pride that's there, the defensiveness, it really was kind of tough. And then I'd say when we had our first child, just a couple of years into our marriage that, you know, kind of, that was fun and you're kind of doing something together and, and everything. And then as we started adding, you know, a second and a third and a fourth, then I think that just got so busy and hectic and hard to really connect and be intentional about spending time. And it was more about, you know, just taking care of everybody and getting people places and maybe being on kind of parallel tracks where kind of I was in my lane, just taking care of the kids and the house and all of that. And Jeff was, you know, busy with his career and, and, you know, even from getting out of football and then into another career. So didn't really seem like there was a lot of conflict because it was just these two parallel tracks. We're too busy, too too busy busy to have fights. Too busy to have fights. And I know you guys have four kids. So those years stretched for quite a while. So that's a long season. It was. And then it was interesting, you know, to empty the nest and then kind of have things that were there that had been on the back burner that we maybe didn't even know. And then needing to deal with them then. In fact, Jeff, the other day was saying, gosh, sometimes it feels like there's more conflict now than there was, you know, in earlier years of marriage. And that's when we really kind of talked about what I just shared is I think we just didn't deal with it Mm -hmm. because we're busy and on our own on tracks. And we're now able to sit and have conversations and back through, you know, up through things and, Mm -hmm. and deal with them more. To go back a little bit to what she said, was a short honeymoon period. The differences between Stacy and Jeff Kemp are the main <laughs> struggle that we've had to deal with. Yeah. We're both dominant leaders, but we are different in every other way than that. So we see things differently and we do things differently. And I'm not the detail, organized, beyond time, uh, remember things type guy. And I don't like to feel bad about not doing the things that she very ably reminds me I might not have done when I get prideful and and prickly and thin skinned. And uh, for a long time, like Stacey was saying, we were so busy. I played with the kids and I was home for dinner. We went to church, but she ran the family and I was pursuing either football or ministry pretty aggressively. And there was a little bit of this like a negative electricity, like this tension in the air that she's not very happy with me. And I wish she was more happy with me. And so I'm not happy with her. And that just kind of kept us from getting to that, you know, higher level of marital unity and oneness and intimacy. And these days, without the kids around as empty nesters, we deal with our disagreements, conflicts, disappointments more quickly. That's why I said to Stacey, she seemed like we have more stuff to deal deal with now. And she said, no, it's probably just because we actually have the time and the space to talk about it. And we are resolving them pretty well. And we are growing through it. Mm -hmm. But I think differences was our biggest challenge through all the years of marriage. 
Man, I just love talking to, to couples who are ahead of me in the stage because it normalizes, right? The journey. And so I just appreciate you being transparent and, you know, sharing with us what, what marriage has been like over the years and even now. And you touched on the pressures when the kids came and just your different styles of parenting and how that was coming in. You touched on it a bit, but I wonder if you would speak to it more. A lot of our audience have younger kids. And so those are the hard years, aren't they? Yeah. You know, parents are working together. How do we discipline our kids? And, you know, what is the same page and the pressure of the same page? What were your experiences around that? I don't know. Like, like, I mean, we were never on the same page. Completely. (laughs) I mean, we had the big, the big things where we were on the same page, but you know, just the way that we would choose to discipline or not discipline or, you know, everything. I, I think I was the one that listened to radio broadcasts, read the books and everything. Jeff was busy doing all of his stuff. So that wasn't the type of thing that he really spent time doing. So it was more a matter of me taking that information in and then just trying to think of the kind of cliff notes and h- highlights that I could, you know, in the evening say, Hey, I read something interesting today. What do you think about this? We weren't really good at ever just kind of sitting down and coming up with a good philosophy. I, I feel like just the, the, busyness and the activity. I mean, with football and we had trades and he'd be gone and, you know, in a moment's notice across the country and I'd have to pack up the house and the kids and follow. And so I don't know, we just never really had the time or took the time to sit down and come up with a great philosophy. So we're just grateful that God filled in a lot of blanks for us. I I think what was good for us was our marriage was really committed. We said many times that we can remember we were committed, but we weren't having much fun. (laughs) But the commitment was an anchor. Secondly, we took our church, our family to church. And when it was a football season and I never could go, Stacy would take four boys or three boys or two boys, however many she had, she would take them to church. That was tough. You know, a single mom pulling that off each week. And then our church had a good youth program. So they were getting some solid teaching and mentoring. and, And we were we started with a Christian preschool, thinking we'd put them in public schools, and we loved it so much with teachers praying for the kids. We kept them in this Christian school all the way through, and, and they reinforced the values and principles, you know, biblically that we believed in. So church and school were in alignment, and we were in a small group with some other couples. Stacy read a lot. Sometimes mm-hmm. conference in the off season, and I'd pick up some stuff, but we never did sit down and have a, a macro plan. Yeah. But I kind of think the plan was dad plays with the kids a whole lot and has uh-huh. um, mom makes sure everyone gets picked up from school and uh, <laughs> their doctor appointment on time and that there's food on the table and clothes are washed and, you know, five football uniforms are all clean before the next practice or game and discipline. I think Stacey had the harder job, maybe. She did. She did like 95% <laughs> of it. Thank you, Stacey. I go. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I just want to clarify, I mean, you know, that phrase on the same page is so often the phrase that parents even come to us at Connected Families with. And we like to think of it more, you know, that doesn't mean complete unity. It really, what we like to suggest is that parents can parent out of their own strengths. So you've already talked about how you had such differences and you brought different things to it, but how can we see the good in each other and what they're bringing to the children and bringing to the parenting? And so to kind of reframe that idea of having to have the macro plan, I don't think that's necessary. And your family shows that. Oh, good. I feel much better. (laughs) 
<laughs> Remove that guilt and shame from me. We were a constant <laughs> two-minute drill, moving down the field, uh, reading the reading the defense as we went. So Jeff and Stacy, talk about your own strengths and how you work together, even if you didn't have that macro plan to raise your children. Well, like Jeff said, he was the one that was he's a seven on the Enneagram for anyone that knows that he's the life of the party, have fun, just, you know, everything's going to work out. And he was a great dad because he loved to play with the kids because he loved to have fun. And so that was awesome. He, and with football, he got home fairly early, like before any other dads in the neighborhood. And he would go out and play in the yard. All the other neighborhood kids would be down there. He'd have some big football game going or just whatever they happened to be doing. And that was great. I mean, that gave me a nice break, gave me an opportunity to, you know, kind of gather myself and get dinner on or whatever it was. So that was a strength for me. Like he said, I'm the organized one gets everything done and stuff. So there were times where I felt like I carried, like you said, I carried the load so I could have a tendency to be resentful. And I think the answer to your question about, you know, just what do you see of the differences? It was important because it's so easy to sometimes get distracted by the negative that you see. And if you are looking for negative in your spouse and how they are or how they do things, you're going to see negative. And when you see negative, you feel negative. And when Mm. you feel negative, you act and spew negative. And I, you know, still to this day can get in that mode. And I think what we need to do is be looking for the positives in those differences. Like, what is it about my spouse that is really good that I don't have that I can appreciate? So when you're looking for positives, you see positives. And when you see positives, you feel positive toward them. And when you feel positive, then you act and speak positively. So I think if we can see, recognize when we're getting in that negative mode toward our spouse, Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of what am I looking for? And I want to turn this around by looking for the good, because it's amazing all that you see when you are looking for the benefits of those differences, instead of just being frustrated that they're not like you, because we need both. That is so good. We teach something called focus is fertilizer. Mm. And we teach that for our kids. Are we always looking, you know, oh, you clean your room, but you missed this and this and this, or are we celebrating what was done and what the good there? And so I love that you brought that up even in marriage. If we're looking for the good, it ultimately even changes our behavior towards our spouse. That's you know, good. I want to speak to the to wives about how to bring out the best in your husband. Mm-hmm. He can be the best co-parent with you and the best possible husband. We are desperately afraid of failing. Men are really still little boys uh, in a big man's body asking that question. Do I measure up? Do I have what it takes? Am I a success? Am I a good man? And we know we mess up at a lot of things. And we probably feel that more from our wife than anyone else at work. They say, way to go. Here's an award. You know, we'll give you a raise at home. It's not quite like that, you know, and I feel like wives need to know that we men will respond far more to when you find the little nugget of good thing that we're doing and Mm -hmm. praise it. And then you can say, Hey, I'd also like you to try that during this situation, or could you adjust there? But by starting with, I noticed this really good thing. I want to affirm that. Thank you so much. That makes a huge difference. What I wished I'd known back then is instead of complaining to Stacy that she was chop, chop, move it along, let's do this the, the correct way. And then letting me know when I, I didn't, and then I get defensive. I wished I would have understood, I need to thank her for her strength. 
and just see any of the imbalance in her strength as just part of the package of someone who's doing a phenomenal job running our home and raising these kids and coaching them and mentoring them and feeding them and uh, disciplining them. My pride got in the way too much, but it does help a wife to motivate her husband to appeal by praising the best in him. Like Stacey Mm -hmm. said, look for the good. And we husbands need to look at our wives and not complain that, oh, we're not having enough romance or you spoke to me negatively or you never have fun anymore. Gosh, praise all the good first. And then maybe at a calm moment, talk about the things we want to improve. I really appreciate that. And speaking to the wives and the husbands, that was that was really good. And it kind of leads us to where I really want to go with the rest of our podcast after the commercial break that's just coming up. Just We're going to go to talking about safety and its emotional safety and, and just what that looks like in marriage. And so you guys good with that? Sure. Right after the break? All right. Hey, friends, Stacy here. Would you let me toot our horn a minute? As far as the numbers of listeners and downloads, this Connected Families podcast is in the top 3% of all podcasts worldwide. It's so cool. Well, if you know me, I love celebrating all wins, big and small, because it produces faster growth. So we are celebrating and proud of the work we're doing. I'm so proud of that data because it means that parents like you are receiving God's grace and truth, getting equipped, finding encouragement and tools to do the very hard job of parenting our children. Would you help me out sharing an episode, rating the podcast, writing a quick review or a question will cause the algorithms to align and save us marketing dollars. And if you hit subscribe, that's really gold. Well, we always love reading your feedback in the reviews because we consider you one of us and it makes the show better. I'm so excited for all the podcasts we have planned for 2022. Great topics and guests that will encourage you and equip you. So we're thankful that you are in our community. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and passing this podcast on to a friend. So we're back after the commercial and I'm here with Jeff and Stacy Kemp. We've been having a great conversation already. And Jeff, you were speaking to the wives and how we can bring out the best in our husbands. And Stacy was speaking to, to the wives too, of, of just how we can uh, center our thoughts on the good and think about the good first. And you had mentioned about just the resentment that could build in marriage and those rocky points, the hard, the hard things where our personalities and circumstances start to irritate each other and we're showing up defensive or accusing, you know, at Connected Families, as far as parenting, we teach that just the foundational level of working with our kids is um, where we want to communicate the message, you are safe with me. And ultimately, that's the work of asking ourselves what's going on inside of me so that I know what that is, so that I'm not being so reactive and, and really thinking that through first. Well, it's the same with marriage. And I heard you do it, Stacey, because you were stepping back, like what's going on in me? I'm actually thinking negative thoughts and looking for the the things I'm not liking in my husband instead of the things that I appreciate in my husband. I just want to ask you guys a few questions around the safety. How would you describe that? And what has it looked like in your marriage? Before we answer that, I would like to say I wasn't just speaking to wives. 
on the looking for the positives or the negatives that that was for husbands and wives. I was using it my example from me, but I don't want husbands to think that they're off the hook on that because men can get in that same, you know, just like Jeff described. So I just wanted to throw that in before we move on. As far as safety, I, I think like Jeff mentioned for us, we entered into marriage with divorce not being an option. Yes. And I think that is the, 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 you know, the beginning of that foundation of safety, because if you know, okay, I am committed to you for life. I think that in and of itself brings safety because Mm -hmm. there's just, okay. So no matter what happens, we're going to, we're committed to working on this and we're not going to just give up or throw in the towel. And so just because you disappointed me or said something negative or did something, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm there for you. So I think that would be. And along with that is actually not joking about divorce, not threatening divorce, not making the other person feel insecure, even though, you know, you're committed to marriage for life and you both meant it, you can get careless and use words in mean ways. And we need to be really careful not to create those kind of subtle threats or obvious ones using the word divorce or I'm leaving you or yeah, and that, that kind of threat is bad. And name calling, labeling your spouse sends everything downhill and you're not going to be able to have a conversation if you're A, not committed and B, threatening or using critical language to one another. So, you know, Jeff, you were kind of describing if you had the chance to go back, you wish that you would have looked at Stacy and appreciated the gifting that was under, you know, it was coming out a little squiggly for you. You didn't like it. It felt accusing when, when you weren't meeting her expectations and she was wanting, you know, things to be done differently in the home. And you, what did you say? You said you wish that you would have seen underneath how it was coming out to, to her good intentions to run the family. I'm using different words, but well, not, even, not even just her good intentions. She did a ton of amazing good things for my children and for me and the operation of our family. Right. Right. Uh, And I took a lot of it for granted. My mom did a lot to run our house for my dad while he was out playing pro football and being a congressman and running for vice president and doing all the stuff that he did. Very loving, very affirming, great words, encouragement, but he was far less involved than I have been. So I just compare myself and say, wait a minute, I'm way better than my dad. Yeah. But I didn't look at myself objectively and realize I'm not appreciating her adequately. I don't realize how hard she's working. I'm complaining about her tone of voice when I forgot something four times that she asked me to do. I could have written it down or I could have gotten up in the chair and done it. And she was busy working the whole time that I was sitting there watching the TV show or whatever. So I focused on the little feeling that I had that I didn't like more so than on the damage to her feelings or the appreciation of the many things that she did. And that's kind of where I wish to take it a different approach. Well, I think that everyone listening has been in that same circumstance, you know? And so the question that I'm thinking right now is then how, you know, since you were there and you, you've grown in that, how do you get out of that? How do you pull yourself out? Because that's essentially an unsafe conversation, you know, one's accusing, one's defending, it's going back and forth. So how do you repair after that? How do you dig out? I think something that we, all of all the speakers on the speaker team for the family life getaways, we can remember getaways. We all share that we need to accept and receive 
our spouse as God's perfect gift, recognizing mm-hmm. his sovereignty and bringing us together and his wisdom and trusting him and not just resigning ourselves to that, but actually receiving it as a gift, which I think is another way of looking at seeing them positively, like I was speaking of, and just looking at that and thinking, oh, this is a gift to me from God and not mm-hmm. being frustrated by it or disappointed with what he's given. And that can change that. And then I think just having an environment in your home where you are like quick to apologize, you know, Mm -hmm. focusing on you instead of just being negative. And what can I do to bring unity to this situation? So also creating an environment where it's safe to be transparent. So being a good, careful listener and not reacting, not defending, you know, repeating back and saying, hey, you know, tell me more about that. I I, want to know. So making it safe so that you can share your feelings, share your thoughts, share your hurts. But if I share a hurt and because Jeff doesn't like to feel like a failure, he can get defensive because that makes him feel like a failure. Well, that shuts me down and that creates distance and isolation in our relationship because of that. So we you know, both need to be aware of that. And I think the other side of that is creating a safe place to express transparency. So, you know, it it means listening and and trying to pull that out and, and like I say, not getting defensive and what can you do to be a careful listener? And so that is so good. So I don't, can the two of you talk more about that moment when, if you share something that's on your heart that Jeff takes as I'm not good enough and gets defensive, then it's recipe for unsafe and, you know, nothing good comes out of that. How do you do it different? What does it really look like? Well, it looks like in our case, initially it escalates to be all uh, honest because we, I would say, still struggle with being pretty prideful people. And it's a matter of, you know, needing to be more humble, but we kind of get going on that. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) and what we teach is, you know, realizing, oh, wait a minute. And one of us will hopefully at some point in that stop and say, wait a minute, you're not my enemy. This is Satan that's getting in the midst of this. Let's take a minute and pray. And then that usually kind of calms us down. And then we backtrack and and remember the things that we actually teach at the weekend to remember getaways and kind of walk back through that and even realize, oh man, I realized I just said this and that was kind of inflammatory either. We just did this the other day, but, and I don't even remember the circumstance, but me realizing, okay, I didn't mean to be. And I thought I started out speaking in a gracious way, but I had added one little thing onto the end of it that I realized as we walked back through it, oh, I see that that probably was inflammatory and felt Mm -hmm. critical. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But let's get back to what I was trying to communicate. Both of us have Christian friends in our life who we're honest with, and we get some feedback from them. I have some men's huddles, guys that I talk to weekly, and I process what's going on in my husbanding and my marriage with them. And sometimes it's been two, three, four days that a conflict has persisted. And I kind of know I'm responsible. I'm, at least I know I'm responsible to heal it as, as the husband. So I'll process it with them and that'll drive me back to resolving it. So I'd say we're pretty good re- at repairing things. And I've learned over the years that apology is powerful and I, I, I can apologize. What's bad about me, even to this day, is I still get defensive and offended in the moment. And if I would get over that, these little things 
wouldn't need to become these bigger things that they are. An example of one of our arguments, uh, it happened when she was looking at wedding pictures for our oldest son. And there were a whole lot of them and they're online and they're going by every five or six. Well, seconds. they just came in. So we're waiting, 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 waiting for wedding photos to come in. And I had gotten up early. They were on my computer and literally five or six hundred pictures. They were just scrolling through. I couldn't figure out how to stop them or anything. And she was just writing down the ones she liked and couldn't slow it down or stop it. Well, I came in and I don't pay our bills on time or pay great attention to all the finances. And in this moment, I had a bill. I wanted to take care of it. I thought I was being responsible. I thought she'd respect that. I came up, put it in her face and, hey, uh, let's take care of this. And she said, not now. I'm looking at this. And I said, oh, let's just, it won't take long. Let's do it right now. Well, I persisted because I always persist. Oh, it, was <laughs> like, it felt like a little boy going, I want attention now and just shoving <laughs> it in my face. And the yeah. table missed a bunch. And I was not so a happy I, I told myself I was doing something noble and good for the marriage and the family. <laughs> but she pressed the wrong button accidentally and deleted and stopped the, the slideshow. Then she was offended, said something to me. I said, you don't have to talk like that. And then she said something. And then I said something a little bit worse. And then I said, don't freak out. And so then, naturally I freaked out. <laughs> and it just got really ugly. And I realized it's like the 650th time this type of dumb thing has happened over something that started small. And I went downstairs, sat in my chair, said, okay, God, what's going on? And it was almost like I heard him speaking to me. I you want the truth? Can you handle the truth? And mm-hmm. the gist of what God said to me, and I don't think I learned the lesson forever that day, but it did sink in to a good degree. Jeff, you're more worried about your feelings than you are her feelings. You're more upset that you're feeling like a failure than you are that you helped cause her to delete that slideshow. And then you dishonored her feelings by making it about her tone rather than her disappointment. And you can change this, but you need to change. Do you want me to change you? Well, basically, God was saying, get humble and stop being so prickly and defensive mm-hmm. and prideful. I did go up. I got down on my knee. I thoroughly apologized. What I did was wrong. It messed you up. I'm so sorry. Then I made it worse. I told you not to freak out. I, I, I really would like you to forgive me. And you can even please pray for me to change. She started crying. It was like one of the best apologies I ever made. The sad <laughs> news is I've told that story. Yeah. And I am pretty decent at eventually apologizing, which I think more more men need to improve at. Men, that's your greatest power is apologizing. But I've been very slow to learn to stop being defensive in the moment. And I've let little things get larger than they should. And that's the phase I'm in right now to try to let God change that in me. Mm -hmm. And I would say to any woman, you need a good female mentor or solid, mature female friend to process your marriage and your parenting with, and your walk with God. And men, we desperately need it. Don't talk about sports. Talk about what's the most important thing going on in your life. Let's, let's spend a half an hour and you know drop our guard and help each other and pray for each other. That has helped me a lot. Thank you for that story. There's so much of what we teach parents to do with their kids that you just modeled in marriage. Even the, you know, stepping away, going and sitting in your chair, which is, you know, just slowing down and taking a breath and then talking to God. What just happened? What's going on in me, Lord, that you want to highlight? And then going back. And I also have heard you guys talk about do-overs. We we teach do-overs. It's stop in the middle of the conflict. Hold up. Wait. You know, there's an enemy at work here. You're not my enemy. And yeah. we can do that even with kids, right? We can think they're the enemy, and we're, I'm, you know, I'm fighting with them. They're not the enemy either. And so this is why I just we were very excited about this conversation to have with you because there's 
there's so many similarities in, in what we teach for parenting. That's a crossover, a natural crossover to marriage. And, and I thank the two of you for just bringing that out and being transparent in your marriage and sharing these stories with us. This has been a wonderful time, Jeff and Stacy. Thanks. It's been good to be with you, Stacy, and with you, Stacy. <laughs> All three of us. Squared. Thank you. It's yeah, you're welcome. Pleasure. You know, before we end, if people want to get a hold of you and hear about your ministries, your book, The Weekend to Remember, how can they do that? The Weekend to Remember, you can find it weekendtoremember.com or familylife.com, Weekend to Remember. That's the, probably the primary thing that they'll position on their websites, but do go to it for yourself. And I think all of us need to tune up every couple of years. And it's a great gift to give to any couple struggling or a brand new marriage. And as far as you can reach my book, Facing the Blitz, and my ministry to men called Men Huddle at my website, it's jeffkempteam.com, jeffkempteam.com. Well, Jeff and Stacy, thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing your wisdom on marriage. We appreciate you. Our wisdom or our mistakes? Which part did you like the most? <laughs> we appreciate you sharing both. It makes us all, we're on the same boat, aren't we? We are. Well, we appreciate your ministry and thank you for having us. Well, thanks for tuning in today, friends. Links to Jeff's book and the Weekend to Remember event, as well as all the other things that we talked about today are in the show notes. And while you're there, please rate and review so others can find us more easily and leave a comment or a question. I love reading them and it helps us make this podcast even better. For more information, go to connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time.